share a brief word here in just a couple minutes and I don't feel like this sermon is going to be really long but it's going to kind of close out this series that we've been on and then we're going to pray for people and I want to leave room to really pray because I feel like God's really wanting to move tonight and touch people and of course with that um, I feel like the Holy Spirit will probably move even more in some intercession but let's are you ready back there all right, so let's go ahead and just pray over this, and I'm going to share, kind of sharing from the heart. Again, you don't really need notes. It, all you're going to write down, even if you took notes, would probably just be the scripture in Isaiah chapter 4, uh, 4 through 6. And I'm just going to share some brief things. This will, this will not be unfamiliar to River of Life. But Lord, I thank you tonight as we get into the word of the Lord. I thank you for an open heaven in your presence that's here. And even now for the Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us, those that are going to be watching or listening, uh, live streaming through digital audio recordings, etc. Lord, I thank you for moving upon every one of us to give you uh, our best ear, our full attention, our focus, that we're not going to be distracted, but our hearts and minds are good soil for the word tonight. As you speak through me, living seeds of truth that are sown out into good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. And I thank you for the winds of your spirit carrying this out among the nations. It's going to get everywhere it's supposed to and accomplish everything it's supposed to. And we stand on that promise. Your word will not return void, but go forward and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. And Lord, tonight, the birds of the air, Jesus said, try to steal the seed. That's the demonic realm trying to hinder the word. So as a church, we bind in Jesus' name anything that would try to hinder this word right now in any way from getting where it's supposed to and accomplishing what it's supposed to. We bind you in Jesus' name. You will back off right now and release it and go. And Lord, I thank you for everything being accomplished in and through this service, this sermon tonight, the outworking of it, and the altar time that you will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so again, I'm closing out the God of blood covenant. So maybe those that have come into this series later on, I would really encourage you to make sure that you go back and listen to the first couple sermons because it talks about the blood covenant. What a blood covenant is um, in ancient times. And it explains how God has cut covenant with us through Calvary. And, of course, that even goes back to the covenant he cut with Abraham. So I just want to encourage people to make sure that you go back and listen to those first couple sermons and let God really do a deep work in you. And then tonight, of course, I'm going to close it out talking about revival glory. And I'm just going to talk about the glory in general. And I think it's not unfamiliar to most people, but some of you maybe have never heard some of this. So when we talk about the blood covenant, reverencing the blood of Jesus. I've covered through this whole thing. I've talked about how when we reverence the blood, the glory comes. And so tonight I'm going to focus more on the glory and what is the glory. So if you look at Isaiah chapter 4, because we're living in the last days, the prophet Isaiah has a lot of different powerful scriptures that relate to these last days. And in particular, he said that gross darkness would come upon the earth, but the glory would arise upon the people of God. And how many can see darkness coming? There's kind of a thick darkness that's trying to come on the earth. So Isaiah 4, starting in verse 4, it says this. 
<coughs> when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the bloodshed of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning, then, and I understand this is talking about the millennial reign, but there's something here. Then the Lord will create over the entire area Mount Zion over all of her assemblies. Look at this, a cloud by day, a smoke, and a brightness of a flaming fire by night. What is that referring to? The tabernacle in the wilderness had a cloud by day, a fire by night. It was the glory. It was the glory of God in the midst of his people. And it says, for over all the glory will be a canopy. And there'll be a shelter to give shade from the heat by day and a refuge and protection from the storm and rain. But this, this is a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual glory that's going to come and form like a canopy, like a shelter that's going to protect from the elements. And so tonight I just want to say that if we will really get a revelation of the blood covenant and we'll reverence the bread of presence, the blood of Jesus, and we'll understand that covenant properly. It makes a way for the glory of God to come in such a way that will create a protection in these last days that we're living, okay? And so what is the glory? Let me, let me explain some things. It's not the anointing. So what is the anointing? The anointing is like a clothing of power. It's like you would put on a garment without belaboring the point when you get truly born again and you're God's child, the Holy Spirit indwells you. He enters inside of you. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a clothing of power that comes upon you to do what Jesus did. And the anointing will empower you to where you can pray for people and there'll be healing to the sick. There'll be the demonic, well, his, the power of the enemy is broken. The enemy flees. There's a power to destroy the works of Satan and drive out the enemy and to release what God has for people. Also, the anointing will come upon different giftings in your life. So if you're gifted, let's just say the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? But the, the anointing, you can tell when people begin to operate in the gifts because there's such a power that's released. How many know what I'm talking about? You feel it. But also, even other giftings that are not necessarily 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If somebody, God's put somebody a gift to lead worship, when the anointing comes on their worship leading, it makes it easy. So the anointing causes the gifts in your life to be function easily, and it will cause them to be powerful and effective. If you're gifted in different areas, I know there's Romans 12 and then there's the fivefold ministry, Ephesians 4.11, but there's even kind of practical things where God has called us to do things or put something on our hearts to do. Uh, maybe it's, it's to minister with children or something. But when there's an anointing on you to do it, it makes all the difference. Okay? And of course, we know the anointing makes all the difference when it comes to witnessing. As Jesus told him, he said, now don't start anything. Go wait in Jerusalem till you're clothed with power. Then, you know, you'll be my witness. And when you're anointed, it makes all the difference in the world about witnessing, okay? So the anointing is a clothing of power, and it can increase in your life over time. Now, another term would be an open heaven. So what is an open heaven? Well, the opposite of that would be a brass heaven in the Bible. So the enemy dwells in the second heaven. 
God dwells in the third in the Bible. That's how God describes it. So overhead, there's principalities and powers that try to come overhead and they try to brass the heavens and they make it to where it's difficult to pray and worship and for people to get saved and all of that. It's difficult. But as God's people will really understand the blood covenant and we come through the blood and we begin to have powerful, continual worship and prayer, we come together, it can literally poke a hole in the sky spiritually and part that out of the way to the left and to the right. And there can be an open heaven over your church. And when there's an open heaven and you come in to worship and you enter into a church service, it's easy to worship. It's easy to pray. You feel God's nearness. And how many can feel that when the heavens are open? How many have been places where you knew the heavens were brass? It's hard to pray. It's hard to worship. It feels heavy. It's difficult. But when you come into an open heaven, and without, again, without belaboring any point tonight, Jesus said to Nathaniel, I saw you under that tree. Remember that? And he said, how do you know me? And he said, he said you, you're amazed because I said I saw you under the tree and there's no guile in you. But he said, you're going to see a lot greater things than that. You're going to see, listen to what Jesus said, the heavens open over the Son of Man, angels ascending and descending. He said that Nathaniel would see that. Jesus abided under an open heaven. And that has a lot to do with why when Jesus would go places and minister, there were so many healings and deliverances and all that because of the open heaven over him. And people will come up under that open heaven and receive. So an open heaven is very important because you do not want to come into a place that is oppressed and difficult. Even tonight when we came in, as soon as we started taking communion, I felt the presence. As soon as we started worshiping, it was just easy to worship. I'm talking song number one. There's no oppression of the demonic realm. It's just free. And another thing is, now we talked about the anointing, the clothing of power, the open heaven. What is the glory? The glory is God's manifest presence. Okay, it's not the anointing. The anointing is a clothing of power, but the glory is the weighty presence. Now, there's a couple different words in the Hebrew, the chavod, which is a K-A-V-O-D in English, chavod. And the chavod is like a, it implies in the Hebrew like a weightiness, a heaviness of God's presence in a good way, like a, a weight that you feel his presence tangibly. And I felt that many times. Uh, one time, I'll just share a story, but I remember there was one time that God, there was a man that prayed over me. And I've shared this story because he prayed for me with his Bible a couple times. But I couldn't get off the floor. There, there was such a, a weight of the glory of God on me that I couldn't move. And I felt that too at Cambridge. I told you guys the very first time my wife and I went there, <clears throat> nobody was there, so we kind of laid on those pews and prayed. And I lay there for about an hour and prayed. And the longer I laid there, the more God's presence came on me. And I didn't even realize how intense God was on me until I tried to get up. And it was time to go, and we had to go because we had somewhere we had to be. 
and I literally could not get up. And I started laughing, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me because we really do have to. I don't want to go, but we really do have to go. And then, of course, I, I was able to start getting up, but it was very thick. So the glory, the first word is the chavod, and that's like a weightiness. How many have felt the weightiness of God's presence? I've heard stories several times in River of Life where people came and they got prayer and they went home and, and the presence of God was still on them. You know, they felt that. They felt a tangible presence of the Lord on them. And I remember sometimes it's fun to watch, especially young people. It's never been in the presence of God. You pray for them and, and they're like, what is this I'm feeling? You know, they can feel the tangible presence of God. What is this I'm feeling? It's the glory. And then also another word is the Shekinah in English, in Hebrew, Shekinah, and the Shekinah comes from a, a root word, Shekhan, which means like to dwell. And so what the Shekinah glory really is, it implies like an abiding presence. So you come and go, but the presence of God is always there. And I, and I feel that here, thank, thankfully, because of all the prayer that goes on here continually, but there's an abiding presence. I can leave and come back, and when I come in here at any, any time, any time of the day, there's an abiding presence. But another aspect of the Shekinah is not just abiding presence, but it's also visible. So like what I read, a cloud by day and a fire by night, you could see something. There's been many, many times in these circles of where the Holy Ghost really moves, real powerful, that people have seen things like the glory they'll see a shining a brightness or they'll see like a mist in the atmosphere and it's a visible tangible glory and it assumes I would love to see more of that I have kind of seen some things here but I would love to see a lot more but Azusa Street really had a strong Shekinah glory and specifically at Azusa there was more than one time, I don't know how many times, I know at least twice that I know of at the Azusa Street Revival that the fire department was called because people saw a literal fire on the building. And they literally thought it was on fire. So the fire trucks come, and it's not a physical fire, it is a spiritual fire. So... There was some kind of a visible pillar of fire over that place at times that would be seen. But even in the building, they said that as they began to worship, because this, I guess at Azusa, from what I've read, and I, I may not know as much as some people out there, but I have read a lot about it. When revival broke out at Azusa, William Seymour lived there, and they pretty much had continual revival night and day for years. And I can't remember if it was three to five years, but it was night and day. And so people would come and go. And <clears throat> but anyway, with that said, there was like a visible mist, a cloud that would be there at times. And the people that were there said it would be kind of on the floor like fog. And as they began to worship in tongues, the, that cloud would begin to come up and it would fill the place and you could see it. I mean, it was very tangible. And the little children that read Azusa, there were stories about some of them uh, after they'd been there a little while and they were kind of used to the fact that there was a cloud there and they would scurry around and play like hide and go seek in the cloud with their little friends, you know. But people said that the glory was so thick at Azusa. That's why they saw so many healings and miracles. And they saw major miracles. There were some amazing, astounding stories 
in the Azusa Street revival of creative miracles. Uh, there was one lady in particular that she had severe cancer in her lungs and she was so eaten up with cancer as she was walking because she had heard about the revival and the healings that were there she was walking to the revival but she had to go so slow it took her so long to get to this revival she was skin and bones and she was on death's door she could barely breathe she just had to go real slow and get there finally she got to Azusa Street and again the, the glory was there and people began to pray for her and she was healed. I mean, she was delivered from whatever spirit of death or whatever that was. She was healed. And after she left there, she started feeling better. Needless to say, she began to gain weight and get so much healthier because she was healed. She goes back to her doctor. She's in the waiting room. Her doctor did not recognize her at first because she looked so physically different because she put on weight and she looked totally different, right? He didn't recognize her, and they were, they were going to do whatever they do with a new person that comes, you know, let's get your information or whatever. And she says, no, doctor, it's me. The doctor is so amazed at her miracle that happened he, that he becomes a Christian, and he ends up going, I believe, going to Azusa. He was in awe of what God was doing, and he became a preacher himself. And because of his faith of seeing God do these things, he began to see some healings through his ministry as well. So there was countless stories like that as Susan. I mean, they had so many healings and miracles, it would probably be difficult to document all of them because it was just all the time for years. But everything you can imagine, when people came into that glory, there was a story of a guy that staggered in. He was a big, big man, very tall, he was husky, and he came in there, and some of the younger guys that were there that would be like teenagers kind of bumped into him, and the guy was standing there, and he just reeked of alcohol. And so the first thought of this young guy was, you know, here this, this guy comes in off the street, you know, drinking, he's drunk, and he staggers in here. But then he noticed that the guy was obviously blind, and he came staggering in there because he heard about the healings there so this young guy he says will somebody pray for me this young man prays for him and the stench of alcohol begins to go away and he begins to be delivered from whatever that was to do with alcohol but then his eyes pop open and the guy can see the young man in front of him he begins to weep with joy and he gives his life to christ and again if i remember the story correctly he ends up going into the ministry and serving the Lord as well. There were people that, that went to Azusa that ended up going all over the world with the gospel that were touched by the power of God. What was it at Azusa? William Seymour, an uneducated son of a slave that really ha didn't have great knowledge of the scriptures per se. He was a very intelligent man and he knew the word enough to preach, but did they go to see William Seymour? No. Did they go to an old dilapidated mission? No. What were people drawn to? What were people going to see and experience? The presence of God. And they were not disappointed. When they came to his, into his presence, all kinds of awesome things were breaking forth. 
And people were hit by the power of God suddenly there. They would be struck to the ground. And they'd be rolling on the ground, speaking in tongues. They're being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So God moved mightily there. But that was the glory. That was the Shekinah glory. And God told us, Susan told the people there, the leaders, whatever, he said, make much of the blood of Jesus. Make a lot about it, talk about it, sing about it. And so they made a lot of um, reference to the blood. And because they referenced the blood, the glory came. So a couple more things, protection and provision. So when the glory comes, have you ever thought about this? The nation of Israel came out of Egypt how did they come out of bondage through the blood of the Passover lamb? So it's obviously a picture and type of the cross. But Israel was delivered from their oppressors by the blood of the lamb. And it was that very blood that made a distinction between them and the Egyptians. Or, you know what I'm saying? It was the blood that protected from death and destruction visiting homes they came out by the blood. They were delivered by the blood. Then they end up at Sinai where God comes down on the mountain. It shakes. They see the Shekinah glory. They hear the blast of a shofar. They're trembling in fear. Moses, now listen to what I'm saying because this is important. Moses goes to the bottom of the mountain and he cuts covenant between God and Israel. They, they made like 12 altars. They offered the animals and and Moses, by faith, he was taking the blood of those animals and sprinkling upon the people like this. And he was officiating this, but he was bringing the nation of Israel into a covenant with the Almighty. And they made a blood covenant there at Sinai. And God gave them the law, and they agreed to keep it. Now, with that said, they understood blood covenant. When they left Sinai, I want you to think about something. As they left Sinai, God gave Moses the tabernacle to build. He had people build it. Once they entered into blood covenant and they understood the covenant and God's presence came on Sinai and they departed Sinai, the presence went with them. Moses said, God, don't leave. Don't let your presence leave. What's going to make us different from any other nation except we have your presence? And God listened to Moses, and God put his cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And he told, basically he said, I believe Exodus 25, but he said, have them build me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. His glory was among them. So what was the result of the glory that abided with the nation of Israel throughout their wilderness journey? The glory remained with them through the whole thing. What was the result of that? Okay. They had supernatural provision, supernatural food, and supernatural water. They had, people say, well, what do you mean? Well, where did the manna come from? Where did the quail come from to feed millions of people? In the desert. It was supernatural. There was a rock that poured out enough water to water an entire nation and all their animals. Pretty sure that's supernatural. God, because of his glory in the midst of his people, there was supernatural provision. I'm sharing this, kind of closing this whole thing out because 
we're moving into what the Bible calls the latter days. We're in it. One day there's going to be an antichrist. And there's going to be these things, these plagues coming down on the earth. And it's going to be reminiscent of what Moses dealt with in Egypt. It's going to be like the antichrist is the Pharaoh. And the plagues coming down, the economies of the world are going to be shaken. It's, it's going to be difficult. And we're already moving into these times. So for us to have supernatural provision... You see, we're going to need at times for God to make a way financially for provision in our lives that God's going to have to make a way for us where there seems to be no way. And I believe that we're kind of already in those times to a degree. And I, I can attest to this. If you'll do it God's way and you'll live a righteous life before him and everything's right, okay, you're living right. But there's seven realms of giving I don't have time to teach on. But if you'll apply that, if you're a tither and you're a giver, my wife and I have been doing this for years. And when COVID hit, she'll tell you, it was amazing because, I mean, doors of finances through a business that we own together. Substantial provision was there in front of us. But when COVID hit, the door slammed in our face and all of that that we were depending on to pay our bills shut down completely was gone. And so we had to go before the Lord and say, well, Lord, we still have bills and we still have needs and everything pretty much we were depending on a lot of it, three fourths of it has just slammed in our face and is totally gone. I don't know how, but God made a way for provision to come. And when we went back at the end of that year, the COVID year, when we should have made far less through that business, she'll tell you, remember, because she, she did the, you know, counted it all up and everything. She said, we made more this year than last year. It was a miracle. But God made a way provisionally for needs to be met during that time. So number one, supernatural provision. Number two, what else marked the nation of Israel in the glory? Their clothing did not wear out. Isn't that crazy? It says for 40 years, you imagine wearing the same sandals in the desert. You can only imagine how those smell. I'm sure the, the wives of those guys were like, believe your shoes outside the tent. But they, I'm sure that those things were, but yet it says that their clothing did not wear out. So how many can say durable riches? Yeah, so basically the Bible says, I'll rebuke the devourer. Things that should have worn out did not. So you have supernatural provision. Then you have durable riches on what you have, that it lasts longer and works better than it should. You know, somebody says, in a practical way, give me some example. Well, it could be that the roof that should have sprung a leak didn't. It could be the washer and dryer that should have died 10 years ago still works today, you know. But things that seem to last. And then protection. The other thing I would say is this, protection. The nation of Israel has supernatural protection from their enemies. There were battles, y'all listen to me, there were battles 
that Israel should not have won that they won. But it was because God was with them and gave them the victory. There were battles that there was no way they were they were outnumbered. They you know they, these were untrained. The nation of Israel came out as slaves. They were not trained military people, and they were having to deal with the militaries of nations that were attacking them. Does that make sense? You have basically had some refugees out of Egypt, and yet they were winning battles. So supernatural provision, durable riches, and supernatural protection and victory over your enemies. And the last thing I would say is this, a reverencing of the blood, the bread of presence, has to do with the glory. I have felt for so many years that as we take communion together as a church when we come together, I have felt to do this for a long time. We come together and we always take the Lord's Supper. And I like to do it at the beginning of service as, as revival continues to increase and we have a lot of lost people coming. We might have to do it before we even start church or something with the believers or whatever, what to figure it out. But as we've always taken the Lord's Supper, we take time, we make sure that we forgive people, we confess our sins, and we reverence the bread of presence and the blood of Jesus. And as we do that and we take that, it goes down into your body and we're all reverencing that, there's something about that that brings the glory in our midst and keeps the glory. And so as you understand Blood Covenant now from this series at home on your own, as you take communion by faith and you really take time with it, I think that you also will notice that the glory of God is going to be in your personal prayer life and can be in your home. But you're going to have to desire that and press in for it too and, and sustain it. But the communion table is our blood covenant meal. The bread is called the bread of presence. And you should think about this for a moment. The book of Hebrews says the veil in the temple was ripped and that veil was Christ's flesh. Did everybody catch that? That's in your Bible. The veil of the temple was ripped and that veil was the Christ flesh so when Jesus was pierced open it ripped the veil there's a connection there's something about the bread of presence as we take that bread that represents Christ's body there's something about that that helps us get past any hindrances and move right into the presence is this making sense? So we have the anointing. We have an open heaven. We have the glory. But I want to say two more things. In these latter days, we're also, God's going to send forth his angels. I believe that and I feel that. I feel that even for us in River of Life because in these latter days, warfare is going to increase. It has increased. And it's going to require that God send forth his muscle, his enforcers. And they're going to remove the hindrances to his purposes out of the way. 
But let me tell you, angels ascend and descend through an open heaven and they traffic through the glory. Let me say that again. They don't do things for other people, but they will be sent, the Bible says, on behalf of the heirs of salvation. They are sent to those of us of blood covenant, but they traffic through an open heaven and they traffic through the glory. Jacob saw them when he was in the wilderness and he, he laid his head and slept that night. He had a dream and he saw in the Hebrew like a spiral ladder going up, angels ascending and descending. And he said, man, I didn't even realize it, but this is the dwelling of God here. God's presence is here. But underneath that open heaven, angels were ascending and descending into that place. And angels also traffic through the glory. So I say all that because they also, one more thing, they hearken to the word of the Lord. Angels are not sent to do your bidding. They're sent to do God's will. So if it's God's purposes, see, that's why the Bible says if you pray according to God's will, he hears you. If you know that he hears you, you have what you ask. Our prayers need to be in agreement with the will of God. When we're praying the will of God and God's purposes, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As we're praying his will, his purposes, God is in that. He's answering that. And one of the ways he'll answer that is the angels will be sent to enforce his purposes. So our mouths need to be in agreement with the word of God and the will of God because the Bible says they hearken to the word of the Lord. So as you're speaking out loud, Lord, I thank you. The Bible says you're going to do this. Or maybe God has spoken to you a word of the Lord that's really true for you. Lord, you have promised me this, and I know that you're doing it. The angel of the Lord hearkens to the word of the Lord. This may be new to some people, but I think that a lot of times there could be more things happening if God's people would move into a realm of faith and they would speak out loud the word of God over their situation. The Bible says, believe in your heart, speak with your mouth, and that mountain will move. One of the ways mountains move is God, the angel of the Lord says, you know what, that's God's will, God's purposes, that's the word of God, and they step in there and they rip that mountain out of your way. That's one of the ways God moves mountains. But it's the word, they hearken to the word of the Lord. So let your mouth be in agreement with God's word. God's will, that you begin to speak out loud the purposes and the will of God. And I believe in these latter days, God is already sending reinforcements to help his people. I believe that. And you see it all through the scriptures without going into a long thing about it. But what about Daniel that prayed 21 days and the angel Gabriel was sent to him but was blocked by the principality that was over Persia? And so they were wrestling or whatever they were doing. It didn't say, but that prince of Persia blocked him. And then finally Gabriel showed up and said, I was hindered for 21 days. And this angel's telling Daniel, I was hindered for 21 days until God sent Michael. Michael, remove this thing out of my way and I could come to you and give you this revelation. There's a lot of times when it's the fullness of time that God will send forth the angel of the Lord. I think about, for example, when it was time for Jesus to come. The angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah in the temple. 
and said, your wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son. His name will be John. And he was going to be the voice crying out in the wilderness. But it was the angel of the Lord. Y'all listening to me, hear me tonight. It was the angel of the Lord that was sent to enforce these prophecies being fulfilled. How many feel that they legitimately truly have some prophecies to be fulfilled in your life? See, these are prophecies Isaiah gave, and it was God's will and purpose that they be established. So the angel of the Lord was sent to make sure that in the fullness of time they did happen, that the, dev the devil couldn't stop it. Then the angel goes and appeared, appears to Mary. See, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. You will have a, a son. His name will be Jesus. And then the angel goes over to the shepherds and says, you need to go see, and he tells them about the gospel. So there was always these angelic beings that were sent at key times to make sure the will of God, the purpose. And what about when Joseph, Herod was going to send that slaughter to go through and kill all the children. And the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, take the child and go to Egypt. Remember that? And finally, I believe incredible miracles will happen in the glory. We've seen some powerful testimonies through the years, but I believe we're about to see many more. Incredible healings and miracles in the glory. People delivered of things. And I remember at, um, when I was at Brownsville, there were so many miracles there just in the glory. I mean, they, they didn't even really put an emphasis on healing at Brownsville, yet just people being in the glory. And I remember one time, and I'm going to close with this and we'll pray because I really feel like to pray for people. There was a guy there that he was standing by me because we were waiting to get prayer. And uh, he had his driver's license out because he was saying, look, he was telling me this too because I was standing by him, but he's like, look at this, look, look. And I was like, okay, I'm looking at And he had some kind of a condition. Maybe somebody will know what it's called, but it's where their neck is like huge. I'm talking like from the head to the shoulders, huge, massive neck. And it was in his driver's license. And I look at him, and his neck was shrunk down to almost normal. He says, look at the, look at, and I was like, man, that's pretty neat. You know, I was like, I didn't know what to say. The guy's neck had shrunk. And he, he said that, he said, I keep coming here night after night, and they pray for me, and I go home, my neck shrinks more. <laughs> He's telling me this. <laughs> What do you say? It's, well, praise God. And, it, and he starts showing other people around him, and he starts showing the people, the altar workers, look, look, look. You know, he's showing him his driver's license. Everybody's just kind of, wow, that's. So it, it was just being in the presence of God. Tremendous healings and miracles. All right, so listen, I want us just to pray for people tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. As we understand blood covenant, as we reverence the blood of Jesus, the bread of presence, Lord, I believe that there's an open heaven of glory. And Lord, we agree together as a church, so we thank you for increasing, Lord, the move of God in this glory for souls, greater than the fields of Cambridge, greater than the altar calls of revivals of times past. Lord, increasing the healings and miracles that people needed, their spirit, soul, their physical bodies, mentally, emotionally, relationally, Lord, tremendous healings. Let there be tremendous healings like never before. Miracles, creative miracles. Lord, in the glory, let there be deliverance. from. I mean, everything the devil's had in people's lives, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how complicated, let everything just be cleared away in the power of God, the glory. 
Lord, let there be refreshing in the glory. Let there be people baptized in the Holy Ghost and impartation just saturated with your presence and empowerment, refreshed and empowered in the glory. Lord, let all the gifts be in operation in the glory. Let there be a pure flow of revelation in the glory. And Lord, let your glory increase significantly here in River of Life. Major breakthroughs. I believe we're at it. It's time. In Jesus' name. And we're going to pray for people tonight. I feel it. I feel it here in this place. There's an impartation God has. Lord, let it come in Jesus' name. Something will increase after tonight. There's a couple different things God's going to do when we pray. Well, let's go ahead. If you want to crank that up, we're going to...